Um, and even when I bomb it, they still let me do it again. So it's awesome. Amen? All right, as always, I like to um, apologize in advance. If I use some statements or terms that you're unfamiliar with, it's probably um, familiar to the younger generation. So if you don't understand, you can please visit me afterwards, and I can explain the terms to you, okay? So I talk in, in a, 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 my slogans and sayings tend to be a little bit younger because I am the youth pastor, and I got to pretend to be really young too. Sound good? Okay. Um, so this morning, we're going to continue the Red Letter Revival series uh, been some amazing sermons, and really the focus of that is obviously on the red letters in the Bible, which are the words of Jesus. And, and so we're focusing in on the teachings, the parables, and, 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 and basically the, the life of Jesus and, and what he said and what he taught, and, and some incredible things. And so today we're going to focus on that. Um, but before we do, uh, let's just pray. Amen. God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, that you would just have your way, that you would just say and do what you want to do. And, and God, we welcome your presence to be um, highlighting things to us this morning, that, God, you'd be quickening us to listen closely to what you're saying, and that, Holy Spirit, you would just bless our time together in unity. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. So I have a, I think I have a word, although for you, I was sitting next to you this morning, and um, I didn't have a chance to say because I was kind of running around during the connect time. But when I was next to you, I had an image um, that just kind of popped up in my screen or my, my imagination, the screen in my head. You guys all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm not that crazy, I promise. But, uh, but no, I saw, I saw this like volcano and I saw like the lava coming up. And I saw that that was your life, that the lava was actually going to come out and it was going to come and it was going to spread out in the region around your life. And it, it's not like a bad thing. Um, because sometimes you think about things, as it's, it's destructive, right? It, it ruins the landscape, but it sets the stage for the next part of your life. Where if you even look at like Mount St. Helens, after all the, uh, the flooding and, and, and the, uh, the lava cleared, you had this beautiful meadows that sprung up. It's a beautiful area now, and I just feel like that's going to be your life. Like God is like, like creating. Like some things you may feel like are going to be taken from you or, or going to be destroyed in this season, but what God is really doing is he's building you up, and he's building a scaffolding to then build upon so your life is going to look even more beautiful and lush and, and crazy than you can imagine. So I just released that on you this morning. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Jesus is good. Amen. He always has good words for us. Always. 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 So this morning, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about love and um, how it's a byproduct of something else. So we're going to discover and kind of examine this by, how it's a byproduct of another thing, something that comes before it, and how if you don't have this other thing, you can't really love. So love is a byproduct, and we're going to talk about... Um, what it's a byproduct of, uh, is of, and we're going to actually learn a little bit about how to unlock the destiny of someone else's life by doing this one thing. And you can actually unlock your own destiny too. So really quick, let's, learn, uh, let's turn to please Luke 7.36. This is going to be our first text, our main text for today. So if you have your Bibles, you can look there. We also have it up on the screens. I'm excited. This is going to be good. So Jesus, uh, a little backstory to these verses, Jesus loved to eat in people's houses. He loved to hang out with people, to be in community, to, to be in relationship. And so it, it, at one point, he was at the house of this Pharisee, and uh, 
And this story can actually be found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I believe, uh, in, in some variation or form. But uh, Jesus loved to spend time with people. And in this encounter, something amazing happens. And, and so let's kind of read to see what happens. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. How many recognize the story already? As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man, speaking to Jesus, right, or thinking of Jesus here, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed me money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love is shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. That's a key. Remember that. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It's a beautiful story. That woman showed a tremendous amount of love. I mean, tremendous. I don't remember the last time you've kissed someone's feet. But you got to have a real love for somebody to kiss their feet. She had tremendous love. And the statement we're going to focus on this morning was in Luke, uh, uh, let's turn to Luke 747. Can we go to verse 47? Thank you, Johnny. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. This is Jesus speaking. I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love is shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. So we see in that verse right there, we see a correlation between forgiveness and love. God, God lays it out for us. There's a correlation, actually a byproduct. So love is a byproduct of forgiveness. So the opposite is also true. If you bring forgiven much, what does that mean you can do now? Love much. So if you've been forgiven much, you can now love much. Now, when we think about that in our lives, it may not seem that significant. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I get it. If you've messed up really big, you can actually have the capacity to love people more. No, no, no. That's not what it's saying. A lot of us kind of think of 
situations like, uh, like a Todd White, for example. How many know who Todd White is? Okay. He's big into healing. He lo- he's like, he's awesome. I love him. Every time I listen to him, I feel like I'm listening to Jesus. But, um, but he, he, he had a, a rough backstory, right? He uh, went to prison. He was um, into drugs and just had a, had a rough life. He had a rough life, made some really bad decisions. And so we tend to look at people like Todd White, and we tend to say, and we just see his extravagant love for people. And we're like, well, yeah, he, he can love people like that because he messed up huge. Like, just think of how much Jesus had to forgive him. <laughs> Crazy. And, the, and, and then we think, well, I've been in the church my whole life. I mean, you know, I, I've maybe lied a few times. You know, I, I've maybe done some things. I mean, it, it wasn't as bad as Todd White. So my capacity to love is actually less. That's not true. And sometimes I've actually gone through that. That's, that's personal to me. I used to think that because whenever you hear a testimony, the ones that tend to get the biggest cheers are the ones that came out of the greatest bondage. But we don't understand that we all came out of tremendous bondage. When we look at the Bible and we, we, we look through all of the statutes and regulations and laws, And let's say you did the whole law, and you stumbled at one point. James puts it a really good way. Let's look at James 2.10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Therefore, all are equal (laughs) under breaking the law, regardless of what you've done. You've murdered someone, you've lied. Guess what? You've gone against the very nature and character of who God is. It's not a measuring stick of, oh man, can I love more? Or I I can love more because I've murdered someone now. No, no, it's not about like who can gather up the most sin, (laughs) you know, and and say like, well, I've done the most sin and God forgave me for it, so now I'm going to have the capacity to love people more. No, it's not about that. You are thrown into the same pot as everyone else. If you keep the whole law and yet stumble at just one point, you're guilty of breaking all of it. Okay, so we've all sinned and messed up. At some point in our lives. So now we're all in the same bucket. We all have the same capacity to love together. And to love greatly. Because guess what? God forgave us for breaking that whole law. Jesus died on the cross for us. So now we are literally pure and righteous before him. No matter what we've done. Now, now understandably, right? Some of our sins have more consequences or lasting consequences here on this earth than maybe some others. But to God, it's all the same. You do one thing, remember, it's against his character. And then when his forgiveness sweeps in, it's huge. It's huge. So our capacity to love does not rely on how much sin we've partaken in. Your testimony is not powerful because you've you've encountered and done more sin. It's not about that. Because we do a whole comparison thing. I used to do it. How many have done that before? You hear a testimony, you're like, wow, that was powerful. And then you think about your own life, and you're like, well, I mean, I grew up in the church, and my grandma prayed for me, and I've been doing, you know, I've I've done just a few things. No, no, no. Don't mistake the work that God has done in your life, and he's done through your family. So that's a little side note. That has nothing to do with the sermon, but just, just know that. That's good, okay? So we know that love is a byproduct of forgiveness, So now we've established, boom, okay, we're all the same. When we've been forgiven by Jesus, 
And we've been guilty of breaking the whole law, boom. Now we've been forgiven. Now we're set into the freedom to love people much. Actually, to love them exactly how Jesus loved them. So he's unlocked that for us. And in the process of sin and forgiveness, remember, he's removing the old, all the old stuff, patterns, behaviors, sinful thoughts, and we're transitioning into that new life in righteousness, right? And whenever you're in sin, it's always a me-focused thing. Think of really any sin. Why do you tell a lie? Because you're scared of the consequences of telling the truth. It's fear-based. It's based on me. I'm protecting me. Adultery. Why is that a thing? Because you're scared that your needs will not be met in your current uh, relationship with your wife. Or things aren't going well. It's all me-focused. So sin is a me-focused thing. I'm trying to fulfill my needs my way, and it doesn't matter who I hurt in the process. And so we're looking at this, and now we can see that actually, if we're going to love much, we got to deal with the forgiveness issue, right? Because love is a byproduct of what? Are we all awake this morning? Are we doing okay? Love is a byproduct of what? Forgiveness. We learned that in that first verse with the woman with the alabaster jar. So maybe, let's think about this. If, if, if sin is based on a fear-based condition, how do we transition or forgive those who have partaken in that against us? Because every day you may encounter someone, and maybe you yourself, where they harm you, they hurt you, offend you. And then we have to enter into this process of forgiveness. And there may even be past relationships. There may be abuse that we go through from family members, from friends. It could be when we're a child. And it could be really intense and it can be hard to forgive. How do we deal with that issue? How do we forgive others? How do we do it? That's good. That's a good step. How do we do it? Because God is pretty clear on forgiveness and what we have to do. He's pretty clear on it. And maybe, um, maybe, just maybe, your lack of forgiveness for someone is keeping them from fulfilling their destiny. Before you came to Jesus, how is your destiny doing? Not too great. Not too great. But guess what? The love of the Father, the love of Jesus came and he swept in, removed all of our old, selfish, nasty, crazy stuff, gave us a new life, gave us peace, gave us joy, gave us righteousness, right standing with Father. Gave us the free gift to spend eternity with him. So he's removed the old from us. Because of why? How are we living freedom now? Because of forgiveness. So if we can't truly live out our destiny without the forgiveness of someone, how do you think someone else will do it if we keep from giving them the forgiveness they need? So let's read some verses. Are we doing okay? Yeah. I, I, I'm not trying, I, I, I'm trying to be teachy and not like, I, okay, you guys, whatever. All right, here we go. Matthew six fourteen. So some more red letters here for us. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, 
your heavenly father will also forgive you. That's awesome. Okay, I can do that. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Whoa. Jesus was kind of intense. Jesus, can't we just like forget about it and you just deal with it later on? No, because there's lasting consequences for it. And this next one's the kicker out of John. John 20. Also words of Jesus. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, this is post-resurrection, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Awesome. Cool. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Here's the kicker. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What? Who made me God? When God put the Holy Spirit inside of you, he gave you the authority and the dominion of heaven to bind things that need to be bound and loose things that need to be loosed. So when you literally forgive, can we put that verse back up? That just the end, that end section. Verse 23. Thank you, Pastor Joel. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. What? Jesus is crazy. Does he trust people with this? Do they know how powerful this is? That means Jesus is literally requiring, requiring of us a forgiveness stance. There's no like middle ground. It's not like, well, you can harbor some resentment towards them because they really hurt you. No. If you can't forgive them, your sins aren't forgiven. And you're like, okay. But then he goes even more out on the ledge here and says, hey, if you don't forgive their sins, they will not be forgiven. I've given you my Holy Spirit. I've given you the DNA of heaven, what it looks like up there. And if you can't be like me and, and do justice and righteousness the right way, they won't be able to partake in it. That's crazy. That's like mind-blowing. I don't even fully understand that. But what it does is it puts the responsibility in our court. Why? Because God knows that forgiveness is necessary or the alternative will destroy us. Distrust, revenge, disunity, corruption, death are all things caused by lack of forgiveness. Think about the, even the Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Why? Because people couldn't deal with forgiveness issues. They had to get back. There has to be justice. I'm going to get them back. I'm going to take revenge into my own hands. You don't know what they did to me. I'm going to hate them forever. They abused me as a child. Or I was sexually exploited. Or I was called out in front of everyone. 
And we harbor this bitterness and this resentment, and it destroys not only us, but the person who did it. Because they haven't been given forgiveness by you, their sins are not forgiven, and now they cannot live a righteous life with peace and justice and joy and righteousness inside. That's crazy. I'm like, God, that's a responsibility. How do I deal with that? How do I deal with that? Do they deserve forgiveness? Did you? I know I didn't. (laughs) Remember, sin issues always have to do with fear. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, right? And he makes that a big point in the scriptures. And he actually, in John, uh, 1 John 4, 16, I, I won't read it, I'll summarize, but remember it talks about there's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out what? Fear. So when we think about all the sin issues and the fear and the selfishness that are assigned to that, we know that perfect love drives out that fear. How do you drive out fear of punishment? Think about it. How do you drive out fear of punishment? Forgiveness. If God forgives you of something, he will no longer punish you for your sins because the wages of sin is death, right? So your wages, all of us, way to go, we earned them. They deserve death, but God came, forgave us. Now the fear of punishment is now gone. The fear of death is now gone. So when we're thinking about this, we're like, oh, you know what? That is kind of logical, God. I guess your Bible does line up with itself. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The principle here is that perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment and you can't love perfectly if you haven't been forgiven perfectly. And when you live your life out of fear, you can't live it in faith. And without faith, in Hebrews, remember it says, without faith it is impossible to what? Please God. This just gets so intense. I'm like, Jesus, this is like heart-wrenching. I have to forgive them. I literally have to. I can make the choice not to, and both the party that hurt me and myself are now sitting in and stewing in a pot of unforgiveness. Whereas I could do the hard thing, and I could forgive them for all the hurts and the guilt and shame that they caused me on my life. And I free up not only myself, but I free them up as well. Boy, that would be the greatest joke on the devil. The person who hurt you, meant to destroy you, ruined your life, whatever it is. And then God redeems them and they stand face to face with you in heaven, righteous and pure. Because why? Because you took the steps. You took the steps to forgive them. You were the one that was like Jesus and interceded before the Father. 
God, forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. Be like Stephen as he's getting stoned by the people that were hurting him. And instantaneously, he had forgiveness on them. How many remember that story? It's like Acts 7. As he's getting stoned, they're throwing rocks at his face. He's dying. Father, forgive them. (laughs) That's just so crazy. I'm on a soccer field and someone hits me wrong. That's not my first thought. So why do we harbor even unforgiveness in our hearts? Well, there's a few simple reasons. I think we know them already. Because it's hard not to. Because we want them to encounter all the pain that they caused us. And it really comes down to a trust issue. We don't trust Jesus to handle it for us. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That's the King James. because it's hard. Forgiveness is one of the hardest things we can do, but it's the greatest gift God has ever given us. And he's given us the authority to bring it to the people around us as well. You get to intercede just like Jesus does before the Father for the people in your community, for your society. First Corinthians 13, four through seven. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. How many have heard this before? So good, heartbreaking as well when we get to the tough stuff. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres. Jesus gave us forgiveness so that we could have the capacity to love. He gave us forgiveness so we could have the capacity to love. We can't love without forgiveness. That's why when God comes into our life and he cleans us up and he turns us around and he sets our feet on solid ground. How many heard the song? He's, he's literally given us a gift that we can love the people around us now. We can love with the love of the Father. He's given us a brand new slate. So guilt and shame now do not have a ledge to rest on in their lives. How many know that guilt and shame will destroy you? And some of us in here today, it has been destroying you. For past actions and failures. Guess what? If Jesus says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. When the judge says you're all good, that means you're all good. But for some of us, there's still something on our hearts that we need to forgive someone else for. And it could be really deep. I mean, it could be really deep. And you've avoided it. 
Maybe even in your marriage, you've avoided talking about it. About something in the past that has hurt you. Because every time you bring it up, it brings up painful memories. And it will continue to do that until true forgiveness is given. And I'm not saying this to be mean, and I don't want to dredge up painful memories. That's not my point here. But my point is, do you want to be free? And secondly, how much do you love like Jesus? Because while you were still a sinner, he came and died for us. So while they were still a sinner, what are you going to do for them? Sacrifice your life and say, God, forgive them. So I'll invite the worship team up. Some of you today, to have true freedom and to give freedom and unlock the destiny of that other person, you're gonna, some of you are going to need to call them. And God will show you if you need to do that. But you may need to call them and tell them, I forgive you. But not in Sunday service. Why, why would you do that now? That's just so painful. I want to be happy and go lucky. Well, guess what? That'll provide the ultimate joy. Some of you are going to have to call. And if Jesus is laying it on your heart and you feel that tugging to do it, please listen. He doesn't show you stuff and reveal stuff to you for you not to do anything. Another one in here. You may need to ask God for forgiveness for harboring resentment for someone. Maybe you've been doing it a long time. I've done it. This is one. I've done it recently. Even for people in the church. So you're going to have to go before Father and say, God, I'm sorry for keeping resentment and not forgiving them. Because it's been killing me. It's been isolating me from relationship with them. I'm going to invite uh, the prayer team up in a second, but they're going to be coming up here when I release them. and, 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 And they can pray with you. If it's particularly painful and you're like, I don't want to do this alone, you need like a partner to help you through it, we'll have them here to do that. I remember a time when I was a fifth grade teacher in the Puyallup School District, and I had some tough students one year. And I allowed bitterness and pain for my situation to affect my outlook on their life. And I'm a Christian, dude. I can't be doing that. I have the ultimate hope. But I remember one night I was just like, I was just falling apart, distressed out about stuff. And I got got my wife to come alongside me and we're just in the bedroom. And I'm just bawling, dude. I'm just absolutely bawling my eyes out, forgiving my students for, for the pain they've caused, but they don't know what they're doing. They're growing up. They're figuring it out. They're from a tough family life. What they're doing is normal in their family because they just don't know. And I spent that time just bawling and crying out to Father, God, I say you forgive them. God, I say that you just, you have the best in mind for them. And I started blessing them. 
But if Sarah wasn't there, I needed Sarah. I needed her there. Because it was so painful. It caused so much bitterness. It was so deep. And you may seem like, well, that's not that big of a deal. It was to me. It was to me. And some of you are there. Maybe it's an enemy. Maybe it's an ex-husband or ex-wife. Maybe it's a family member. And maybe you've forgiven them, but that keeps coming back. The pain keeps coming back. You need to start praying for them. That will release you. It's hard to be mad at someone you pray for. Because all God has is good things to say about them. So when you start praying, now you have to partner with that. And that changes your perspective and your outlook on that person. And some of you need to forgive yourself. You've asked for forgiveness from the Father. And He's poured it out. But you haven't forgiven yourself yet. And you keep bringing up the guilt and shame of your past mistakes. And God has more for you than that. Remember, if the boss says you're good, you're good. It doesn't matter the testimony of other people. It doesn't matter the testimony of what the devil says about you. If the boss says you're good, you're good. So you need to forgive yourself this morning and let it go. And anytime the devil whispers, whispers in your ear, remember when you did this? Remember when you did that? You can turn to him and say, shut up. The boss says I'm good. Everyone stand, please. God wants to do work this morning. And you get out what you put in. If this word touched your heart, if there was someone that was brought to mind this morning, a situation that hasn't been fully dealt with, let's deal with it this morning and move on free. Not only for ourselves, but for the sake of that other person. So I'm just going to release. We're just going to, we're going to do some worship. And some of you are just going to, some of you are going to have to make a call. Some of you are going to have to come up and maybe get some help from somebody, some of our prayer team. Some of you are just going to spend some time in the worship just forgiving that person. Some of you are going to be forgiving yourself. And if you haven't sought forgiveness from the Father yet, the boss, and you know, you know what, I'm not good. I'm not good yet. I haven't, I don't have the approval of the boss yet. I haven't talked to him. He hasn't forgiven my sins. If that's you, spend some time this morning just giving it to him. And let's just spend some time giving it all to dad. Amen? Let's close our eyes. God, we just thank you for this morning. We bless this group. We thank you that you want to do a powerful work in us this morning. And then God, we just step out in faith and trust you. That vengeance is yours. It's not ours. And we forgive like you, like you forgave us while we were still messed up and sinful. God, you came and rearranged our life and made us to look like you, God. And we say on that other person, on those other people, on the ones who've hurt us, that God, we just give forgiveness right now. And Jesus, we just say right now that there'd be, be your anointing would fall in this room. And there'd be so much freedom, God. We welcome your freedom right now in a real way. In a real way. In a real way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's spend some time forgiving. Do we?
How great you are. 